0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today, I'm in the United Kingdom, across the pond, as they say, with a very special guest by the name of David Withers. David, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: Yeah, and very impressed with this whole idea of there being a clutch for you (laughs) Americans, because I know know, you're kind of not used to it.
0: Oh, now come on, come on! We we do use those once in a while, but it seems like uh, this day and age, a lot of cars they don't have them anymore. That that third pedal went away. Everybody's going to paddle shifters and automatic transmissions. So kind of a sad, lost thing. But I always say it's a good way to keep your car from being stolen is drive a manual car because most people can't <laughs> couldn't figure out how to drive it. So
1: yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I remember chatting to some. Can't remember. Uh, quite when it was probably 10 or 12 years ago uh, to an american friend and he just asked the kind of blindingly obvious question why would you still change gears when technology moved on from that about 50 years ago and i, I guess he's got a point to a certain degree but we, we like to stir the petrol i mean it's um, yeah it's kind of a fun thing
0: well, the other thing is when my kids started driving years ago, I said they've got to have manual cars because I figured if they had to be doing all that, it was less likely for them to be distracted with their mobile device or the radio or drinking or eating or whatever. And both of them said that of all their friends, they were the only ones that could drive a manual. So
1: yeah, there you yeah, go. good for them. Yeah, yeah, good
0: for them. Well, before I give you a proper introduction, we dive into this very important thing that you're doing. What's one thing that maybe most people don't know about you, David?
1: Well, I'm kind of mostly known for cars these days, those that know me, which isn't a huge amount. But um, as a teenager growing up, I was convinced 100% I was going to be a pop star. Cool. And Okay. Uh, <laughs> at the point when I first became pretty certain... I didn't actually play any instruments. So I I absolutely focused on, to the expense of things that I should have been focusing on, learning to play the piano and one or two other musical instruments, uh, writing songs, and uh, even a little bit later joining a band and doing recording studios and all of that kind of thing. Wow! But actually it became apparent in my very early 20s that the talent in my head was considerably bigger than the talent people (laughs) were listening to externally. Um, so I was a great fan, really, who aspired, but not a great talent.
0: Well, I tell you when uh, I played guitar and we had a band when I was in high school, and when you compare let's say amateur music and singing and to the professionals, really, really, really great people, you really start to see it's the same with acting really, if you try to act in front of a camera or a video mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. watch a great actor and you realize okay, there's a whole nother skill set there or the time spent practicing, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, there's there's a certain thing called talent or gift or charisma that um, uh, that star quality that some have and some don't. And uh, I've learned over the years not to covet it, but just to enjoy it when other people have it. Absolutely.
0: Well, let me give you a proper introduction, David, and we're going to dive into a very important thing that you're doing. Welshman David Withers is the CEO of Starter Motor. Starter Motor was founded in 2016 by a group of concerned historic car and industry trustees who recognize the aging nature of the classic and vintage car community. That would be David and I. <laughs> and that was uh, in danger of losing vital skills as the workforce headed for retirement. His past careers has provided valuable experience when it comes to the present mission of putting the next generation In the driver's seat. In other words, putting young people into old cars. The charity has since been heralding the next generation imperative and putting in front and center all the activities from supporting apprenticeships, special events for young people, career fairs, and providing a fleet of classics for young people to enjoy and to drive, which is very cool. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with David more about what he's doing. But first, a word from our sponsor. So give him a little listen, and we'll be right back. Summer is here, and that means long, hot days. Oh, boy. Covercraft's UVS custom sunscreens are quality-made, and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom tailored for your vehicle, and their accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They are durable. They're dependable for years of use. I have one for all my vehicles. Every time I park my car, my Covercraft sunscreen goes up in the window. You can choose from a variety of colors, including the original, Premier Series, and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. And they make a really great gift as well. Get your summer deal today. Use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right. 10% 10% off. Use the code ya 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars. Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. All right, David. So uh, let's dive a little deeper into the corner. I'd love for you to talk more about Starter Motor. Now, you've been a CEO with this company for about two years. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yes.
0: It's a super important thing, I think. Tech Force Foundation is a sponsor, a charity here at Cars yeah, where it helps young people get into this field. But tell me more about Starter Mortar.
1: Well, um, we're based at um, uh, a place called Vista Heritage, which is in the center of England. And it's a 450 acre site dedicated to historic cars and aircraft. Wow. It has an, an airstrip, a test track, and it's got about 45 businesses on the site. And the one of the businesses that um, came in about four and a half years ago was a small college who had this vision to train apprentices to mend old cars. Uh, so they're looking for young people. Um, this coincided with the aforementioned trustees saying, well, we, we've actually got to do more than a kind of a passive college that hopefully some people will apply to become a part of let's put this charity together that will really attract the people and provide the college with the resources that it needs to make this training a possibility um, and then it grew kind of organically but a couple of years ago because I was known to the trustees they, they said can you come come along I worked with a different charity can you come along and see what we can do with this and long story short um, I became the CEO um, and we've set ourselves a target now over the the next three years, there's presently 170 apprentices that we're supporting wow. to move that up to 500. Um, oh my gosh! And, uh, that's so we're looking at so <laughs> Five, yeah, it's, it's yeah 500. Wow. Well, that that that's the objective. Now, there's a couple of things that stop us um, or could stop us. One is that the specialists that mend the cars that would employ the apprentices don't really get why they need young people because they think they've gone on forever, so they'll carry on forever, not realizing that age is a finite thing. And uh, secondly, that young people who are now faced with electrification, um, some environmental arguments that they find um, hard to resist, are reluctant to see that there could possibly be a career in old cars. So we've got to do quite a lot of advocacy work in that area, both to the specialists to encourage them. So we've gone from zero to 170. So we're very happy with that. But we've got some ways to go in terms of the number of apprentices employed, but also to be presenting to young people the whole joy of the community of old cars because we all love it we sit in these some of these ancient cars and you hear the gears whirring and you can almost hear the petrol being sucked into the carburetor and it's a visceral experience and it and and it brings back to life this whole concept of motoring whereas now you just drive in order to go somewhere this is when you just drive in order to drive So we've got a fleet of cars now, several cars uh, dating from 1983 back to 1928 that are all road-ready, that are lent to the apprentices and other young people to use freely over weekends, take to their garden fence, to their friends' events, and all of those sorts of things, uh, so they enjoy, they can show off, and the community's growing. Lots of young people.
0: You know, this is so tremendous because I've been doing this podcast for seven years now, and I've been in the automotive industry almost my whole life. And that's been one of the things that many of my guests have talked about, especially those that are fabricators, restorers, uh, people that work in this industry that are of your and my age that are saying, you know, when I have these employees that age out, there's, at some point they're not going to be able to work anymore who's going to come along and work on these old vehicles? I started taking my son to Concord events when he was quite young and exposing him to these vehicles. And it was really a joy to watch him walk the lawn, say, at Pebble Beach, when mm. when you rarely see very few children there or young yeah. people. Yeah, I'm starting to see more now, which is a good thing. And he would look at a car and go, people used to Drive one of those things, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> especially right. cars from the teens or the twenties or even the thirties, and then you mm-hmm. get into uh, all sorts of other cars as well. And it really stimulated him his excitement for these things because he had never seen them. And I've always said, take a, a, a young child or a kid to a car show, a hot rod show, or whatever it might be, Concorde mm-hmm. and so forth, which is absolutely fantastic. But what you're doing is so so cool. So the key is, like what you're doing today and here, at cars, guys, yeah, get the word out, right?
1: Yes. There's, there's two things. There's one is you, you, you say that there is this community in existence, and it's better than looking at an iPad and a phone because you actually sit and operate. It's not virtual. It's real. But the important thing we've discovered is that when you go to a car show or something like that and there's a dad or a mum or a grandfather and they come with a teenager, when you go to a stand, everybody addresses the dad or the grandfather or the mum. And this teenager is just kind of looking around boards. So we're really deliberate. That's who we want to talk to, to that boy or that girl and say, what are you interested in? Um, And all of a sudden, the thing comes to life. Now, not everybody's interested in old cars. But we want to make these young drivers heroes. So an example of what we're doing in November this year, one of the oldest motorsport event in history in the world is the London to Brighton rally, which began uh, in the early 1900s, setting off from Regent Street in London, heading for Brighton on the south coast. It's about 60 miles and takes several hours, but the cars must be pre-1914. So we've acquired a 1903 Oldsmobile curved dash. Wow. And uh, it's an original car. Um, It's now being refurbished by apprentices. um, And then two apprentices are going to pilot this from London to Brighton. First weekend in November, uh, and it's going to be followed by a Land Rover uh, and a trailer filled with apprentices who are the support crew. Right. Um, it's going to be covered by TV. The Royal Automobile Club, which is the oldest car club in the world, based in Palm Mall in London, are sponsoring it, uh, along with Haggerty Insurance, which is a great American insurer which has a UK base as well. And uh, we're going to make heroes of these kids. Wow. And then that will be a demonstration of you can do it, too, to everybody, to all their peers.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm very familiar with that event and watch many videos of people driving their old vehicles in that event.
1: Yeah, crazy people.
0: Oh, it's just fantastic. I I love what you're doing. And you touched on something really important. It's something I taught my son from the time he was young is to you know, go up and and ask that gentleman or that lady about their vehicle because we all who are into cars love to talk about our vehicles. And you just listen. And it actually got my son Blake a ride onto the lawn at Pebble. He walked up to a gentleman that was unloading his D-type Jaguar uh, from the trailer. (laughs) And the guy said, hey, Sunday morning, you want to meet me here early and you can ride in on the lawn. I, I told Blake, I said, I've not even been able to do that. What a lucky kid. And so uh, he had this huge grin on his face. And we've got pictures from that day. I think he was nine years old at the time. So yeah. he, was, he was pretty yeah. young, but he's always a bit of a gregarious, outgoing person and a great communicator. Yeah. So it, it's really wonderful that you're doing. I always like to ask, and, and you're very much a driving inspiration for these young people, but who was your driving inspiration, David? That person, that key mentor in your life that really helped you, uh, whether it be in the music industry. Industry which you loved and aspired to be, or in the automotive industry, or just the charity industry.
1: Well, probably the um, as far as cars is concerned, um, uh, my uncle on the maternal side owned a dealership selling Peugeot cars, okay. and we we grew up nearby. It used to be a playground for me going into the showroom. I sure I made an absolute pain of myself, but he was also massively <laughs> in to um uh, very old cars, and that had a collection of old cars. And I can remember as a small child just sitting in a chassis in a barn with a steering wheel trying to hoik this thing around but seeing parts move and 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 loving all of that and then that kind of gives birth to the whole lego meccano world where you like to build things and construct things and 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 the question is how does it work which then sort of morphs into how do i make it work so he was a great inspiration i think the whole music industry thing you meet many wonderful people many artists you go to fantastic concerts and that's where I learned that if you can't play it, sell it. Um, so that, <laughs> that, that was my kind of adjustment from thinking I could do it to thinking I could help it get done. So, that you know, those are inspirational times for me. I've spent a fair bit of time in charity. And, but in particular, for a number of years, I ran my own film company, which was working for charities, traveling around the world to projects in Africa, South America and, uh, you know, other third world areas and recording the issue the need and then returning to the audience, um, in the West and saying, this is what's going on. We can make a difference. Are you ready for it? So it's telling those stories. So moving to start a motor, it's just, uh, everything's a story. Every car's a story, you know, every encounter, every conversation, every next thing that's going to happen is a narrative. And um, uh, I just love telling the stories or listening to the stories being told.
0: No doubt. Wow. What an exciting life, especially traveling the world and bringing those stories back to people, uh, invaluable to others who can't travel. And nowadays with all the Mm -hmm. social media and the video and the YouTube and everything that we can access, if you can't travel the world, whether it's physical challenges or the means or whatever it is, there's so much you can go see now that people are doing from a very bootstrap nature to very big Hollywood type productions. But we can go visit the world now in ways that we could only have dreamed about even 20 years ago. How would you advise other people to help encourage young people get into the automotive sector?
1: Well, I think there's uh, encouraging other people is, is those people that have a classic vintage veteran car. You've got to put them in the car. Yes. You know, it it doesn't matter whether it's shiny Aston Martin, uh, Rolls Royce or whether it's it's a more prosaic um, Ford. They've got to have a go. They've got to see if what it is. And I think all the converts come through experience. And then uh, where does the opportunity lie? Insurance is is a problem for young people with old cars. Snobbery is a problem because they think they've got to have a poster car as opposed to something that they can afford and work on. But entry point, accessible entry point, and then recognition. So if they buy a car that's 15 years old, 25 years old, and they bought it for five hundred dollars, um, and they want to work on it. Recognize it, celebrate it with them, um, and enjoy the achievement with them. Um, one of the things we've learned, and I think the whole site where we work knows, is that you have to eliminate the snobbery. So we have this kind of mantra now across Vista Heritage, which says, "If you like it, we like it." Oh, I love it. So when you're talking to young people, and they could be driving a Mini, or you know, the Ford Escort, or something like that, you know, that nobody particularly noticed. In its sort of um, generation, uh, we stop and we take an interest. And they will aspire to go older and bigger as they get older themselves and they have more means to afford more. But if we don't do these sorts of things, those people now that have their half million dollar Aston Martins, you know, hitting the bottoms auctions won't have a market in 15 years time. Right. Because no one will have grown through who's presently 30 years old to be 45 years old, worked as an investment banker or, uh, or somewhere where they've you know, made their fortune. Uh, They will spend their money on something because they will be an investment banker, but they won't spend it on all cars.
0: Right. Exactly. No, it's building that marketplace down the road. I love that saying that you have, too. One of my favorite saving sayings is if it rolls on rubber, I love it and uh, (laughs) so uh that's another one And, and you're exactly right is when you go to a car show whether it's a cars and coffee is i always say go up to people that maybe have cars that you don't have a big interest in or maybe are less expensive but just ask the owner a couple questions about the car express a little bit of interest and you never know because you might learn something about that vehicle that you never thought was interesting and then you might Oh, I kind of like these things. I didn't know about these. I remember going to a show years ago, and a young man showed up with a Panhard. And it was like, what is this thing? (laughs) And he had it open in this little tiny motor in the front of it.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Kind of almost looked like a Citron gone bad or something. It was just the weirdest looking. Extraordinary,
1: isn't it? Yeah, series of boxes that randomly fell down onto wheels. That's a nice
0: way to describe it. But as he described it and his passion came through, I, I started to kind of fall in love with that old car a little bit because I tried to learn a little bit about it. So it's just like people, isn't it? You may have mm. some biases against certain people, cultures, whatever it might be. But if you just talk with them and you learn a little bit about them, that whole thing goes away and the curtains open and you realize oh, wow, this person's really interesting. They may not be what I am or what I like, but I've learned a few things from them today. So it's mm. all about communicating. Mm. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk to you about a big challenge that you've faced. This could be in what you're doing now or in your career in the past. So keep your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online, Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious and a unique experience is not to be missed. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States. That's right. And Cars yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! as one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark.carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. So, David, let's talk about a big challenge, a big failure, whatever it might be, But more importantly, how did you move past that situation? How did it help you learn a lot so that you could move forward in a positive way? So take us on a little bit of a bumpy ride, would you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I was uh, younger, let's say up to the age of uh, sort of mid, late 30s, I thought from a business perspective I was indestructible. You know I had the Midas touch everything I did I didn't, but I thought I did <laughs> um so, uh so you know I was blessed with success um uh at least in my own head um but actually, at the end of the uh, this would have been maybe twenty years ago, I was in a business that I part owned um and it was heading uh, for the buffers. Mm-hmm. it was really struggling uh and what I learned through all of that is, one, I am finite, I am human, I am subject to failure, and I mustn't live in denial. My optimism said we're going to turn this round when all the indicators said you're not. And, uh, but I think the biggest issue that I faced was pride. Mm. that everybody will look at me and say well you need not know, succeed you know a bit of a failure on that the company in the, in the end we managed to kind of divest ourselves of with to, to sell to all intents and purposes at the 11th hour without it going under but it was the biggest single business lesson I learned that I am vulnerable I am flawed I don't know everything after that point I think I had learned that arrogance is a weakness, not a strength, that collaboration is a strength and reliance on others is a strength, not a weakness. And that, you know, to work as a part of a team to take advice, to be circumspect about decisions when particularly risking other people's money is a requirement, not an option and it was after that that i started the film business and the communications business when you know maybe i was paying penance <laughs> for my arrogance but uh, to to do some of those things around the uh, around the world and i wasn't giving a little bit back cuz i was still earning a living it was therapy for me so i was the recipient of that i'm not pretending that you know i deserve any uh, flags or awards but it was good therapy no doubt so i think the that macho fear of failure became something that was driving me rather than a discovery of what success looks like
0: wow very well said well pride one of those seven deadly sins uh as they say so biggest
1: uh, probably of the lot
0: well yeah uh definitely and i appreciate you sharing that story really valuable lessons there and i'm so happy that you took the positive out of that forward in a nice way and can look back now in a positive way in many senses which a lot of people carry that angst with them and they don't Clear that away and look back at, okay, what was the lesson here that I could learn from and get better? So,
1: exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and if you carry regrets, it just gnaws away at you. It's a destructive oh, thing,
0: it's yeah. horrible, yeah. You got to yeah. let
1: it go, it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> you it is it hard, yeah. And, it, and it's a lifetime lesson,
0: it is absolutely, absolutely. You spoke earlier about a bucket list item for what you're doing uh, at Starter Motor about 500 people being here these young people could be even old people that want to get into cars too Uh, if you look ahead at a big bucket list item for you is that the key thing or is there something else in your bucket that you'd like to to uh, fulfill
1: well yeah there's something that really in the scheme of things when you think of where i work and what i'm surrounded with there's a big it's an old aircraft hangar that's been converted and it's climate controlled and all of that and in it is stored well over 100 some of which are almost priceless cars and they're filled with the good the great and the exotic and uh, the insurance premium is astronomical but um you know that's where people store their cars um as i was growing up my poster car was an aston martin va prince charles still has one um you know is that kind of 70s uk muscle car that um, was was just a fantastic thing of beauty handmade flawed in all ways that handmade cars are and I've never driven one um and I've become this kind of slightly I I get slightly embarrassed by asking but I just need the courage to go up to someone who has one parked in this big hangar and say I want to go in that put me on the track um so that you know that there are cars I've not driven I would love to drive um, and I'm presently learning to drive the Oldsmobile curve dash and to be a better driver of pre-war cars when you've got crash boxes and double clutching and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I've, I'm now in a position in my life when all of these things I kind of dreamed of doing are looking like they could be possible.
0: Well, yes, anything and everything is possible. So uh, there you go. Take that bold step forward. Uh, I want to go with that. I like the way... I like the way you Brits say so many things. I don't know why we've lost (laughs) some of that over here, but uh, you've got some great sayings, I think, uh, for sure. My neighbor across the street, uh, Bruce, had a Model T, and he would take it out every once in a while, and I'd be sitting here at my desk, and I'd see him, and I'd run out there, and remember the first time he took me for a ride, and you look at how you have to drive that thing. The pedals are in the wrong places. Well, maybe it was the right places back then, but they seem a little awkward now, and it's like, wow, this is pretty cool, but yeah, driving that as old vehicles is really, really interesting. Well, you brought up vehicles, so I want you to share a very special vehicle in your life and maybe share a memory with us about that ride that you have.
1: Okay, this was probably, we have to go back to the early 60s. Uh, I was uh, two going on three. I was on vacation on the west coast of Wales with my mother and my father and my older brother, younger sister. We were kicking a ball on the seafront, uh, I tripped over the ball and I broke my femur, broke my leg. Oh my gosh! Age three. Ouch. And uh, and my first, and we were thirty miles from the nearest hospital. Wow. So in those days, no mobile phones, not even any other means of communicating. We were on holiday with my uncle. Now, remember the uncle who owned the Peugeot dealership and uh, all of that kind of stuff? He was there, and the car that he brought along, it was just him and his wife. They had no children at that point, was a Mini Cooper S. Mm. And in the back of that car, I was with my mother in the front of the car, was my uncle driving and my father shouting at my uncle don't hit bumps don't hit bumps because apparently I was screaming all the way I don't remember any pain but um there's a photograph of that car and uh, it's it's you know I suspect it's long gone but uh, my cousin who was son later became the son of the driver of the car, my uncle, that is now a resonant memory that this very special car, a Mini Cooper S works, drove me from the west coast of Wales to Carmarthen to the general hospital there where I was admitted. So that was my first classic car experience, except the fact that then those cars were being made. So it didn't really count.
0: Well, gosh, and you think about that vehicle, probably not the smoothest vehicle to have to be rushed to a hospital.
1: (laughs) It was was a roller skate. I mean, seriously, there was no suspension in it. Right. But I I mean, I don't have memories of the pain or anything like that, but I just have this lovely story and this idea of my uncle who's now died being the pilot of that car alongside my dad who was shouting at him to stop hitting bumps uh, on these old Welsh roads and my mum in the back holding me tight. Oh, my gosh. That
0: must have been so frightening for your parents. My goodness. Uh, I think
1: so. Yeah, it was it was very different in those days. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely. Wow. Well, the first time I got to drive a real Mini Cooper was a college roommate's friend who brought one over and let me take it for a drive. and, And it blew me away.
1: Uh, they, yeah! They're, 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 they're bad. You don't have to slow down for corners. They're marvelous things. Well, that's yeah. what he
0: said. He goes, hey, you can go through this corner a lot faster. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. It won't yeah. flip
1: over? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it was great there's, fun. There's, there's, there's some great YouTube footage uh, at um, Brands Hatch, one of the racing circuits over here, and they just had this kind of historic Um, classic car race and it had various cars in it so they were saloon cars including the minis at the opposite end of the scale were these enormous ford falcons Um, and uh, so you would have this um, series lap after lap of the on the straights the ford falcons pulling away from all the minis on all the corners all the minis would then catch up with the ford falcons overtake them around the outside And by the time they exited the corner, they were 30 yards in the lead. Oh, yeah. Next straight, Ford Falcon, straight by. And this just carried on forever. It must have been the greatest fun with the little minis.
0: Well, no doubt, like being chased by a bunch of bumblebees, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right.
0: I love it. So here's a very unique question for you, David. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why?
1: Well, I, I, you know, that's that's quite a difficult because I, I, I would end up being quite various things. I think in my life I've done a lot of stuff. You know, I've had fingers in different sort of areas. Right. And so I see myself as a utility vehicle. So I would be probably a cross between a Jeep and a Land Rover. I kind of like a Jeep because Land Rovers break down about once every 250 yards. <laughs> but I also like Land Rovers because they just made them forever when they should have stopped. But they are so iconic. So some sort of Land Rover that can kind of do more things than just take you from A to B. It can go places that you haven't been before. It can have a bit of an explore, a bit of an experiment, and it can pull others along with you. I love so maybe it. it's a Land Rover.
0: Nicely said, my friend. I, that's a great response to that question. Now, I, I like to ask my guests about how they like to give back to people in the automotive sector. That seems a bit redundant today because what you're doing... <laughs> Is exactly that. But let me ask you this from a personal standpoint. What does this mean to you for what you're doing to get young people into this trade, into this passion that we all have, share this with everybody? What's it mean to you personally?
1: Well, I think what... That it says, I think it probably the Bible says it's it's greater to give than to receive. Yes. So the, the the smiley bits that kind of get you up the following morning would be, for example, this happened two weeks ago. One of the apprentices had just bought himself a Beetle uh, at the beginning of the year, VW uh-huh. Beetle. He just got it road ready and he just got it um, taxed and he'd driven it to his uh, week learning at the college on site. Nice. Um, I happened to be wandering by and saw this guy's name's Greg, looking quite miserable. So I went to his tutor and said, um, is Greg all right? And he said, someone just drove into the back of his car. Oh, no. So the thing that, you know, and we've got several cars that we can just lend to people, young people all the time. But we'd just taken delivery of and got road ready, a Ford Model Y from 1933, um, a beautiful car, a little one litre sort of gangster-looking car, sit up and beg. So it meant the tutor and I, I said, I said to the tutor, come with me. And we went across to Greg, listened to his story. And I said, well, and, and this car was just parked at the college, just there. I said, well, do you want to have that one for a couple of weeks whilst yours is getting sorted? Nice. And he just looked, and, and his jaw dropped. So it's those sorts of events right. where you do a lot of things. It's a genuine help in his particular instance. But when you say to any of these young people, well, do you, do you want to have the car for a week? It's just a really nice thing to do. And I feel a bit like Father Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but um, that's the thing that gets you up.
0: Chris Kringle, you are Uh, most definitely. That's wonderful. Uh, Yeah,
1: I'm growing the beard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah,
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, like me, you've got the same follicly challenged head. So uh, yeah, the hair yeah. just migrates to a different part of the body. I think.
1: Yeah, that's that's gravity.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is that okay? I'll, I'll use that line next time. I like that. That's just gravity. Yeah. Very yeah, good.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Is there a great book you'd like to share with our listeners that you've read that you've really enjoyed?
1: I think the this goes way back into the 70s when I was kind of uh, late 70s. I was a teenager, and uh, I read this book, and it had a profound effect on me, and it was called The Hiding Place. I think it's still in print today. And uh, uh, during the Second World War, there was this girl called Corrie, and she had a sister called Betsy. And uh, what they were doing in the war in Amsterdam is they were hiding Jews. Um, the Nazis discovered them. They captured them and they imprisoned them and then they were eventually sent to dachau the concentration camp mm. and it's a story of her life of of losing touch with her father and discover him dead after the war and then her betsy dying in the concentrate her sister betsy dying in the concentration camp but the big thing that uh, you know we we talked about living with regrets and all of those sorts of things is how she overcame bitterness how she overcame unforgiveness and how she was able to rationalize the horrors of that experience and it showed me the depth of the treasure that we have as humans if we if we make some choices to say it's not all about me it's not what i deserve it's nothing to do with entitlement it's to do with looking into the eyes of someone else and basically saying how are you and meaning it and uh, that had a profound effect on me that was probably the most moving book I've ever read I've read it probably three or four times since and and cry every time.
0: Yeah, the true story of Corey Ten Boom. Yeah. Yeah, it's an incredible book. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. First time that book's been mentioned here, which I'm kind of surprised, but since it's not car related, that's cool. I'll remind our listeners, there's over 2000 books listed on a special page on the Car Show yeah website called Guest Recommended Books under the references tab. Go check it out. That book, this book will be there as well on David's show notes page. One more short break. We come back. David, you and I are going on the ultimate drive. So keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench in oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling, yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion And be sure to use the code cars, yeah when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. All right, David, I have a magic scepter, which allows me to create an experience for you, and that is the ultimate drive. So you get to pick any vehicle, could be that Aston Martin you've wanted to jump into for a long time. You get to be with anybody uh, in the world, living or deceased, and you get to be driving anywhere you want to drive. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you?
1: Well, in the context of me going somewhere I really want to go, uh, one of my favorite countries in the world is France. They've got some of the best roads, some of the best drives. So I would catch the ferry from Dover to Calais, And then I would head south, directly south through the massive central, driving through all the hills um, and then work your way down. Hang a right. Go to the Pyrenees on the Spanish coast. Hang a right. (laughs) Wander wander through all the myriads of just brilliant places, the villas and the uh, chateaus that are all along there, along the south coast of France to Monte Carlo, follow the Grand Prix trail uh, and then drive back home just nipping uh, via Switzerland enjoy a little bit of the scenery there up through germany and back home i would probably do that in an alvis td from the mid-60s uh, convertible um, just I, I love i've driven a few of them um, and uh, they are just reliable robust comfortable and it's just a lovely place to be because if you're going to be in a car for probably, I'm thinking about this, this is going to last me two to three weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, It's it, it's just a lovely place. So I don't want something too hard. I want something a bit soft. I'm too old for that now. And um, probably my companion on this sort of thing, it wouldn't be for every excursion, but in a car ride would be my cousin. Uh, his name's Dan, Dan Gagan. And uh, he, he works close to me at Vista Heritage. And um, because we can chat for hours about cars, he loves Alvases like I do. And um, we just kind of hang out, we're comfortable in the silences as well as in the conversation. And and he's, he's a fount of knowledge, he will tell me all sorts of things about all sorts of places. So he's, he's like the sort of the world tour guide as well. And I love the stories. It's probably some, something like
0: that. Sounds like a wonderful drive. Yeah, absolutely. You've got you've thought that one through. Well, <laughs> you've taken us on a great ride today, and I'm very, very grateful that I got to speak with you. I want to do a shout-out to Paul Mathers, who introduced me to David. Paul's introduced me to some wonderful people, you included. So I'm so happy that I could bring what you're doing to the Cars yeah! listenership. Before I let you go... Could you offer us maybe one parting piece of wisdom, guidance, a mantra or success quote that we might take away from today's uh, lesson uh, with you and Starter Motor?
1: Well, I worked with one guy for the best part of 20 years. His name is Ian Hamilton. Um, uh, he's retired now. And uh, he was my boss for a period of that. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, probably the greatest advice he gave me um, sort of midway through career when I was a little intense and very ambitious and very driven uh, was um, Dave? Don't take yourself too seriously because, for the most part, nobody else does. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was just brilliant uh, wisdom. Um, so yeah, that's that's the mantra: don't take yourself too seriously because probably nobody else does. <laughs> uh, that was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a good way to humble somebody a bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's really. That's really. Very wonderful. What's the best way for people, listeners, to learn more about Starter Motor?
1: Well, the the website is StarterMotor.co, and you'll find out all about us there. But you'll pick us up if you just put that into uh, any social media, Twitter or uh, Facebook Um, Instagram. And uh, you'll find our little stories trickling out, lots of pictures of young people in old cars going on their adventures and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So, uh, And don't miss November because that's going to hit the media, uh, I think, in the motoring world pretty significantly when we put the apprentices on the London to Brighton trip.
0: Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. Make sure you send me a link to that and I'll share that on all my social media as well. I think it'd be fantastic. fantastic. Hey, listeners, uh, this is such an important topic to get young people involved in our hobby, our our passion, our trade. Uh, so check it out, startermotor.com, .co, .co, I should say. I'll put links to that on David's show notes page so that you can find those links in case you're listening while you're driving, riding, running, whatever you might be doing today. David, thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing what you're doing. It's absolutely spectacular. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome.